Kia ora, Wellington. I'm Laura Beth Hewen, and this is a special history episode of B-Side Stories. I asked the team at Wellington Museum to share some stories of people who've made Wellington tick, and this is part of that series. Today's episode is about the farcical means by which Wellington became the capital city, and I've got the lead educator of Wellington Museum, Shelley Gardner, here to tell us more. Hi, Shelley. Morning, everyone. Uh... Welcome to B-Side Stories. Thank you for taking the time to come in and talk about this. Um, how Good does the story of, uh, of how we became the capital city, how does it all start? Well, I think that um, it's an accurate description when you say it was farcical, as all good political stories are. This one is um, full of drama and farce. And it all you know, goes back in the day when Auckland um, saw itself as, as the place to to have um, parliament and, and government. And um, the problem with Auckland was that their setup was just not very comfy. In fact, the building that uh, everybody came to meet at was so badly set up that it was known as the Shedifice. <laughs> and uh, when, when MPs were coming across the country, sometimes the journey would take up to two months, especially from the South Island often having to cross mud flats and then go and, and go and meet in a building that everybody just found quite deplorable. And so right from the early days, there was a lot of um, agitation to move um, the, the seat of parliament. And there was a lot of debate about where to put it. And of course, Wellington tried um, right from the beginning to get position themselves. Um, this debate went backwards and forwards for a long time. And Became very heated, as you can imagine. Eventually, it, w- it was it was a little bit um, compromised when they decided, why don't we share the two sites? Why don't we take turns? Wellington can do it one time, Auckland can do it the next time, and maybe that's a way of, of solving this issue. Mm. Can you tell me about when is this about when is this taking place? What, what point in history? Um, well, we sort of we're talking about around eighteen fifties, and it was about a decade of debate that went on um, of trying to resolve this issue of where where to where to base themselves. And when I picture people traveling in the eighteen fifties, is it like? Are they riding horses or? Yeah, this would have been, um, you know, quite an arduous journey to get there. And of course, those living in Auckland, it wouldn't have been so much an issue. But I think the ones that were particularly impacted was um, those living in the south, especially the MPs coming across from um, the gold mines from Otago and so on. They they are the ones who found it particularly arduous. That it could take up to two months, sometimes via oh. Tasmania, to get to Auckland. <laughs> And so for them, it, it was just a journey that they just strongly resisted. And they were the ones who probably agitated the most for change. And they wanted yeah. to be a bit of a more of a central location. Um, and of course, Auckland was holding tightly onto it because of you know, what that um, position would mean for, for, the, for them and, mm-hmm. and for their economy. And so, yeah, but a decade of debate. As to, and there was a few things that swung the tide. Um, in particular, it was the growth of the population down south and, and the sort of powerful position they were gaining because of gold mining. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, it was that, but it was also a little bit of sneaky and devious, you know, devious behavior um, at the time and sort of trying to take advantage of situations. For instance, um, 
there were many times when, out of sheer fury, um, those who would would have a vote would um, manipulate situations like they would knock people out of rooms as the vote was getting cast or <laughs> people would walk out in, in disgust and then they'd realise that the vote was about to happen but they'd been locked out of the room and they couldn't get back in time for the vote. So ah. there was a lot of manipulations that happened for this for for. For, for somebody to win sway. But I think one of the um, stellar moves was by um, uh, someone called Dr. Featherston, and we might recognize that name because we have a street called Featherston Street. Mm-hmm. Um, he realized that maybe the best way to win favor was to come up with a, a beautiful building. And so he put forward a plan about what this building could be and how it could be so much better than the Shedifus and, and be so much more welcoming to the MPs and, and provide all the luxuries they were so desperately looking for. Um, and so by putting that forward, he, he sort of showed that, you know, Wellington was a strong contender. But right. that's not how it got decided. <laughs> um, as I said, they did, a, they did a bit of a, let's see if we can share this. And so they did a rotation of Auckland and Wellington. But when Wellington was due to have its first um, session, uh, all, all those in Auckland packed up um, what they needed on, um, a sh- on, a, on a ship called the White Swan. And down they came, and they got caught in a terrible storm on the way down. And that, of course, uh, led to the loss of a th- hundreds and thousands of um, documents oh. which floated off on the tide. There was no loss of life. They all managed to, to survive, but not the documents, um, which is... Um, the reason why the kind of situation didn't go in Wellington's favour. <laughs> the other thing that, that sort of held things up was the fact that Wellington was an earthquake city. And, of course, in 1855, there'd been the really big quake. Mm. And um, there'd been, you know, some, some big damage to buildings and so on. So, again, Auckland was reluctant. The Aucklanders were reluctant about um, coming down to Wellington because of its earthquake status. And then the um, Taranaki Wars intervened at one point as well, where they thought, no, um, this has just got too much impact on us. And again, the change didn't happen because of that. And, and a couple of times, um, Parliament didn't even meet. But ultimately, the South Islanders were saying, no, we, this has to happen. And they sort of dug their heels in. And that's actually when they did the whole... Um, sort of dirty dealings of locking people out of the room and just really forcing the hand. Um, But for this to get resolved, they decided they needed some sort of neutral decision makers to come in and to have a good look around and to choose the spot. Right. Is this after after a decade of argument? Yes, after a decade of argument and trying to do two sites and, you know, shipwrecks and walkouts and, um, you know, all sorts of... um, fighting and backhiding and political manoeuvring, they realized that really they just could not resolve this, so they needed somebody else to come in and, and, and actually make the decision. Oh, yes. And so they thought, okay, well, we need uh, what they might see as a neutral party, um, and they thought three commissioners, and so they chose three commissioners to come and make the decision. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, today, if we were to move, um, you know, if we were to move the capital city, <laughs> There'd be quite a lot of discussion. There might be a referendum. Mm, yes. There, you know, people might have a say. There might be, you know, voting. Um, there'd be lots of political debate as well. We, we know how much it would cost. 
Well, back then, you know, the Governor General couldn't get involved. The Queen, you know, the Queen didn't care. There was certainly no vote, no referendum. What they decided to do was invite three Australians over to make <laughs> that decision. <laughs> yeah. And so three Australians came over and randomly, or maybe not so randomly, <laughs> chose where the capital should be. Well, how did these Australians know anything about sort of the topography of New Zealand or what, what was the best place? Well, the, these three Australians um, were there, there was one from Abel Tasman, one from Victoria, and one from New South Wales. Okay. And they did do a little bit of a tour around. Um, they were provided with, you know, um, all sorts of comforts and a boat to tour around. And they, and they did do quite a good um, look around. And they almost gave it to Nelson. But, <laughs> Nelson? Yeah. <laughs> was, but, that, was that uh, on the option? Yep, because they were commissioned to look for a, a place that was, had a harbour, a good harbour, ah. that, that could be safe um, and that was central. Right. And, yeah, so based on all those criteria, they then decided that Wellington was the place to have it. All right. Yeah, <laughs> that's how we became capital. And it, at the time, it co- and once they constructed the building that had been designed, it actually went out. They didn't use um, Featherson's design in the end. It actually went out as a bit of a competition to draw up um, the building where um, everyone was going to be seated. And they weren't satisfied with any of the results, and it actually became a mashup of sort of several of the of the plans submitted. Oh, yeah. And so that, including the Australians and the move and the building construct, apparently came, and don't ask me how much this is in equivalent today because I have no <laughs> idea, but at the time it was over £55,000 to okay. do the whole thing. To, to build Parliament? And pay off the Australians. Apparently that was about £3,000. Ah. Well, so. so were these Australians like political figures or yeah who, they who were, were they? they were they sort of had a position um, they were commissioners and um, I would imagine that they had some kind of um, influential position and at the time we still had quite um, a, a relationship with Australia quite a strong political tie to Australia um, and uh, they, yeah I suppose they were considered sort of n- neutral Whatever way, but I reckon there was lots of whining and dining that sure. way, and yeah. trying, trying to, <laughs> trying to um, get them get them on board. Uh, um, of course, Auckland was devastated by this, and that was when there was sort of um, grounds for sort of secessionists, the people that it's, who sort of thought, no, we need to break away. Auckland needs to break away and, and do its own thing. And down south. They they were happy that it was got moved closer, but they weren't entirely happy. They continued to petition for it to be moved to Dunedin and Christchurch, uh-huh. um, but it never happened because by then the expense and what had um, sort of the result of the decision and the and the tremendous expense everyone had gone through to set it up in Wellington, they just realised it wasn't feasible to do it again. Plus, probably didn't want another shipwreck. With yeah. all the documents. So. <laughs> so there was a movement uh, in Auckland to break away yeah. from New Zealand. They were so disgruntled by oh, what no. had happened. They wanted to. They wanted to just do their own thing. Gosh, I suppose they didn't want to. They didn't want to take the journey to Wellington. 
No, no, they didn't. They didn't want to be the ones to have to come on down. But yeah. I think once they, once this building had been built with all the, you know, flash new facilities, um, they realised that actually it was it was good accommodation. Right. Yeah, and, and so appreciated it. And this is the Parliament Building we know today. It's still the same one that that we go to for our tours of Parliament now. Uh, yeah, it's had various iterations over mm-hmm. time, but yeah, that was the founding kind of stages. Awesome. <laughs> and so did the sort of, d- did the back and forth and the discussions about where the capital continue or did those three Australians pretty well end the end the fight? I think that ended it at the time. Yes. Um, and that's what put in place, you know, because as I say, quite a substantial amount of money went out mm. and, and it was sort of, that was right. We're not going to, we're not going to kind of keep going backwards and forwards with this, if this is how it's been resolved. But as I said, it wasn't fully resolved. South Islanders still um, kept wanting to come see it come a little closer. But it just never quite had the momentum it got at that particular point. Yeah. Um, and I suppose just the money being allocated and spent and and the construction of the building and everything sort of coming to a point finally happened for Wellington after 10 years of hard debate and struggle. Uh, and what a great decision it was. <laughs> yeah. So here we are. Here how we set the capital. That is that is so much of what Wellington is, so much of the character of the city is sort of that part of town and all the people who work in that sector. So oh, good for us. Yeah, I mean it immediately was a boom for the city. Wow. I mean that's when the banks moved in and that's when um you know, uh, uh, there was a quick growth along Lambton Quay. It, it, it was a huge boon for the city. And, and and those who were really strongly petitioned for it and, you know, the likes of, of Featherston, they could see that potential and that's why they held on for so long. Right on. <laughs> well, that is such an awesome story. Uh, if people want to learn more about that and other parts of Wellington history, d- tell us how, the, how they can do that. Well, this story and, of course, many other um, of our wonderful, eclectic, um, unique Wellington stories are found at um, our museum, the Wellington Museum. And if you want to know more about all the things we get up to and the, and the exciting things we do, go and look out for our spring brochure, which is about to come out on the 1st of September. That's awesome. Shelley, thank you for joining us. Pleasure to be here.